Pastor Joe to the front. Yes, Lord, you're amazing. You're amazing for the grace that you've given to us people. While we were yet sinners, you saved us. We sang about how great you are, your loving kindnesses indeed never cease. They're new every morning, and great is your faithfulness to us. We who deserve nothing, you gave everything, even an heir, be joint heir with Jesus, our Lord. We thank you, Lord. We can't imagine how amazing you are, how wonderful you are. Lord, today we're here to find out a little bit deeper how great you are, how amazing you are. We're here to learn more about you, Father, through your Son, Jesus, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. So, Father, today we ask that the Holy Spirit would speak to us loud and clear. And we would hear exactly what you want us to hear. Each one may receive something different. We want to hear what you have to say to each and every one of us today. Lord, let us recognize it immediately by the power of your spirit and discern your word as it comes forth. Lord, today we want you to be glorified, whether it's in this little church or whether it's some big churches, all, all the big churches around the world that are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want people to come to know you, Lord. We want them to be saved, whether they're wretched sinners like murderers to those that think they are righteous. And as Jesus told the Pharisees, I love people, unless your righteousness exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. Lord, our righteousness exceeds because Jesus is our righteousness. We have no righteousness of our own. Those scribes and Pharisees didn't understand it, but they had to exceed themselves, their righteousness. And that can only be done through you, Father, through your Son, Jesus. Lord, today, we want to know you better. Today, we know we're looking in a mirror dimly, but we pray that you might clarify it for us. Polish that mirror up, Lord, so we can see brighter and more majestic things about your greatness and your amazing self. Lord, to you be the glory for this in this church today and in every church that exalts the name of our Savior Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen and amen. God bless everybody. You may be seated. Thank you, Matt. Great. Thank you. Before we go on, I just want to make an introduction because we got a new audience online. This is Freedom Church of the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you're, you're there. Um, we want you to know, since you're on our website, you can do many things. You can read our beliefs. You know, and I'll tell you right out, it's all about Jesus in this church. You know, it's about Jesus. It's about him coming, him being crucified, him being buried, and him being risen. It's all about Jesus. Listen, you can find out our address online. You can see our list of ministries. You can watch past services from years back. Uh, you can even donate online should the Lord 
uh, lead you to do so. Also, um, if you do, um, I wrote a book. It took me 10 years to write this book. <laughs> you know, It's about mostly spiritual warfare, looking at it from a warrior point of view. The church has forgotten. We're warriors. We are soldiers of Christ. Paul tells that to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're soldiers of Christ. And soldiers aren't always on R&R, &R, rest and relaxation. They're out there in the field doing the work of the ministry. So the books are in the back. If any of you online want to um, any donation to this church, I'll send you a book and this little silver platter that people gave us. And if you, you know, those of you here, you can take a book in the back and, and one of those silver platters, that'd be great. Um, for those online, we're at 2810 High Paluxo Road. We're in Palm Beach, Florida. We're south of West Palm Beach, north of Boynton Beach, and north of Del Rey Beach. You just get on I-95, head to High Paluxo Road in, in uh, Boynton, Lantana. The south side of, uh, of, of High Paluxo Road is actually Boynton Beach. The north side is Lantana, so you're in Lantana. And you just uh, go a quarter mile west on the right-hand side, and we're right there. For men, we have a men's Bible study every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. We have a good group of guys. We usually go about an hour, hour and a half. Hour and a half is more like it. And then we usually fellowship whoever can stay. So you're welcome to come. So if you're local, come on up, out, and we appreciate it. Um, see, uh, for those of you here, we don't take an offering. There's boxes in the back. We believe unless the Lord builds a house, we are laboring in vain. Uh, also, there's envelopes in your seat in front of you. And this is a Gospel of John. We advise... we. We put them there so you could take it and give it out to people. It looks like it's patriotic, a message of true freedom. You know, it's actually the Gospel of John. So take one, take two. If you have people that need it, they'll pick it up and begin to read it. And as I said earlier when we announced this church, first verse says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. How much clearer can you get? And Jesus said, you know, that he's the Word of God. We know that for a fact. So... Anyway, take that, give it to somebody, and we thank you. For those online, uh, come on back next week, you know, and or if you're local, come on by and see us. Um, right now, we're studying in the book of Matthew. We're actually in back Matthew chapter 20, but I'm moving back because the Lord's been showing me stuff back in the Beatitudes. So last week, I did three of the Beatitudes, and there's like eight or nine Beatitudes. One of the last Beatitudes kind of like a dual thing, so... I want, I'm bringing in a new insight to it, and I actually, it's a very complex study. It's very deep, I guess you could say, um, and I got flyers that I uh, gave to Theron. He's going to pass one out to you that are going to list the basic points of this. It's a two-page two flyer, so uh, you can even follow along a little bit. Of course, I'm going to have more stuff for than, than on, that's on that sheet. But I'm going to review the first three, and I'm going to go not go into them as, as in-depth as I, I usually do, because we did that last week. And I'm only expecting we're going to get maybe another three more Beatitudes uh, this week. And then, you know, after, as we get close in on Beatitudes, I think the Lord's opening up, you know, because he goes into the next verse. It says, you are the salt of the earth, and then you are the light of the world. We might go into that a little deeper, Okay. For those online, I'm sorry you don't have this outline, but if you come in, we'll give you one or even call, and I'll, I'll send you one. Um, 
to the church. Uh, you can use my cell number, which is cell for the church number actually bounces to my cell phone. So that's the cell phone number. If you want one of these flyers, and I do this quite often, is 561-601-1130. It's 561-601-1130. So um, we're glad you're, you're here, and uh, stay tuned. I'm going to look at the Beatitudes from more of a spiritual side rather than a carnal or a, or a fleshly side of things. And I think, you know, Jesus said in John 6.63, actually said in 6.53, he, he told the disciples, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And they're going like, what? You know? So they asked him 10 verses later, Jesus, explain this to us. And he said, my words are spirit and they're truth. Jesus speaks in the spirit. Jesus' word is the spirit, you know, in the spirit. So we're going to look at the spiritual side of these Beatitudes. And I'm going to review one, two, and th three real quickly. Beatitude number one, blessed are the poor in spirit. There's a dead giveaway there that this is a spiritual insight. Blessed are the poor if he was talking about those that are poor, homeless, sleeping under a bridge or have no place to go, why did he add spirit? He's telling you those who are poor in spirit. He's talking about your spirit being poor. And what does that mean? First of all, blessing means full of, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. First of all, blessing in the Beatitude really translates full of blessings. And even some versions will say happy. But this goes beyond happy. It's full of blessing. Not just a blessing, but you're full of blessing. That's basically the translation of, of the word beatitude. Okay? So he's talking about those who are poor in spirit. And poor in spirit actually means this, that they recognize their need for a Savior. We recognize that we're sinners. We recognize we have a need for a Savior. And there's a promise that goes with that. It's that yours is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, church, you're going to heaven. You're going to heaven. Here's how you go to heaven. It's written in 1 John chapter 5, verses 10 through 13. This is the testimony that God has given you eternal life. He who has the Son, Jesus, has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. It's very clear. And then the next verse says, you know, and that you might know, K-N-O-W, that you have eternal life. You can actually know you have eternal life because you put your faith in, your, in the Son. You know, but you recognize, if you're a believer, a true believer, some point in your life, you had to recognize that you needed to be saved and that you were a sinner. And we're all sinners and fall short of the glory of God. That's what Jesus was even telling the Pharisees as I prayed. Unless your righteousness exceed that of the Pharisees, you know, so we have to exceed. Even the Pharisees, he was actually rebuking them. You, unless your righteousness, Pharisee, exceeds what you know, you won't make it into the kingdom of heaven. So in other words, you still need a Savior. Of course, the scriptures tell us that there's 365 prophecies uh, concerning our Savior, Jesus Christ, in the Old Testament. 365 prophecies, one for each day of the year. So you can dwell on that. 
all of them have been fulfilled or are being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. There's that promise, you're going to heaven. You can know it, as I just said. 1 John 5, chapter 10, or verse, verse 10 through 13. You know, we can, we can also see, you know, I gave a spiritual examples of last week of being poor in spirit. Mary was poor in spirit. Elizabeth was poor in spirit. You know, they were old. Mary, or Elizabeth, was old. And when the, when the greeting came for, to her from an angel, she accepted it. She actually believed that she was going to have a baby in her old age. And then Mary, you know, Mary knew, too. She was a humble servant most likely a, a teenager, probably around 14 years old. She said to her cousin Elizabeth, when she went over to see her, she says, And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. She's rejoicing in God. She knew exactly what happened to her. When the angel Gabriel said that she was going to, the Holy Spirit was going to overshadow her, she knew exactly what was happening. They were waiting for Messiah. They just didn't think he was coming as a baby. But Simeon and Anna recognized that in the temple when he was, when he was uh, circumcised, which was probably eight days later, according to scriptures. Anna and, and, um, and Zechariah, not Zechariah, Simeon, he said, he knew, as soon as he saw that baby, he said, Lord, now you can take me in peace. I, my eyes have seen the Savior. Now the Pharisees were expecting this king riding on a white stallion with a bow in his hand. He was going to slaughter the, the Roman army. No, Jesus slaughtered your sin from you. All you have to do is receive him as your Savior, and your sin is slaughtered. It's wiped out. Mary, Mary knew this. Elizabeth knew this. They knew. Even when Mary showed up in Elizabeth's presence, she said, as soon as I heard your voice, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. That was John the Baptist, as you well know. He leaped in, in her womb, which tells you there's life in the womb. That had emotion. That baby had emotion. She, he recognized even, even the sound, and most, most likely spiritual side, which was, you know, was um, he recognized the Savior. I mentioned earlier these, these Sermon on the Mount is the foundation of morality and ethics for the entire world today. Jesus touched the entire world. A lot of people don't recognize it. Some people say they didn't. Uh, you know, some people don't acknowledge Jesus. But at one time, according to Acts, the way I read it, the gospel already went through the world. As far as I'm concerned, Jesus could come back at any moment because the gospel has already been through the world. The disciples preached all over the world. And even, even in some religious cultures, there's, there's things that kind of like point to Christianity. So anyway, the application is here, the poor in the spirit are actually rich in faith. So that's your, that's your application here. If you're poor in spirit, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, because you recognized you needed a Savior because you're poor in spirit, you know, he's actually telling you that you are rich in faith. So all there in the, in the seats here today and those over the, on, on there, you know what, you're rich in faith if you know Jesus as your Savior. And, G, you know, James tells us that, as you well know. Beatitude number two, blessed are the, they that mourn. 
that mourn. You know what? Since we're a spiritual study, and since the first beatitude already attached to it, the spiritual side, this is those that are poor in spirit that mourn over their sin. I don't know about you guys, but I sit here many days or stand here, and when I'm in prayer, I think back on my B.C. days, and I say, oh, thank God. Thank God. I was poor in spirit. And I was now I'm mourning over my sin. My sin caused Jesus to be crucified. Not that, not that he was forced to. He did it out of great love for us because he demonstrated his love towards us. And that while we were yet his enemies or sinners, he saved us. So, you know, we're mourning over our sin. I mourn over my sins. Even, even when I get tempted today, I mourn over it. Why did I do that? I know better. I sinned against you. I was on my knees in the back while Amazing Grace is being played, and I'm on my knees and say, oh, amazing that you even love me that much. My mind says, geez, thinks things that ought not to be thought. You see things on TV or whatever. And then we talked about what is true mourning? What is... What is um, True repentance. And here it is. It's answered in 2 Corinthians 7, 9, and 10. Now I rejoice, not that you have made sorrowful, but that your sorrow was according to the will of God. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces repentance. You don't hear that in a lot of churches today. You must repent. A sorrow over your sin or mourning over your sin will produce repentance. And actually, that's a formula without regret leading to salvation. So sorrow with repentance leads to salvation. That's a formula. Sorrow leads to repentance, and repentance leads to salvation. That was the difference between Judas and Peter. Judas was sorrowful, but he didn't repent. Peter was sorrowful, but he waited around. He stuck it out. How can Jesus love me? I don't know if it will ever be the same again. And then when God, Jesus, appeared to him, he knew. He was forgiven. He stuck around. He didn't quit. The promise to that is you will be comforted. If you mourn over your sin, the Holy Spirit will comfort you. Isn't he the comforter? David mourned over sin. I mentioned it last week. I'll just go through it real quick. You know, David mourned over his sin, Psalm 51. Be gracious to me. Be compassionate to me. Blot out my transgression. Wash me from my iniquity. Cleanse me from sin. Against you only have I sinned. I did this evil. I was brought forth in sin. In other words, he knew that he inherited the sins of his forefathers. You have the original sin of Adam and Eve in you. So even if you did successfully obey the 613 commands in the Bible, you still have the sin of original, original sin of Adam and Eve. So you still need a Savior. There's no way you get to heaven because of your good works. You get to heaven because you receive Christ as your Savior and His precious blood washed away your sin. But it he had, since he was sinless, 
Death had no dominion over him, as you well know. And he come out of that grave three days later, just as the scriptures say. He's saying in Psalm 51, God, purify me, wash me, create in me a new heart, renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Give me a willing spirit. I will teach others. And then there's a, there's, David is saying, once we repent, and David's saying it right here, and you know, I will teach others, I will teach other sinners about you. And that's what, when we repented like that, our job is to teach other sinners. It's called discipleship. It's called leading them to Christ and then discipling them as we go along. I will teach others, deliver me from my blood guiltness. That's what we're supposed to do. So, application, first parable, recognize you're a sinner. Beatitude number two, Jesus is blessing those who mourn over their sinfulness. And that brokenness in your spirit will, cause, will, will bring hope. It will bring healing, it will bring a forgiveness, and it will bring reconciliation towards God. Beatitude number three, blessed are the meek. And I mentioned to you, meaning of meek is strength under control. Moses was meek. Numbers 12.3 tells you that Moses was the meekest man on the face of the earth, and when you look at Moses, you do not think of a meek man. You think of a man that had power of God under control. He didn't say like John and James and John, let me rain fire and brimstone upon those Samaritans. And you know what? That's not meekness. They didn't have control. They didn't have self-control. They wanted to annihilate a whole city. And Jesus didn't come to annihilate a whole city. He came to bring you to repentance. Yes, you're going to die to yourself, and you're going to be born again anew. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away, and all things become new. And what's the promise of that, that beatitude, blessed are the meek? They shall inherit the earth. I mentioned last week, the meek of England were driven out of their native land by religious intolerance, and they inherited a new continent called America. See that? God will, will, you will inherit the earth. God had them inherit a whole new continent, and that's where we're at today, in America. Because of religious intolerance, they left England. England. Now we're fighting to keep it in America. application you know Jacob wrestled with what he thought was an angel we know that it was the pre-incarnate appearance of Christ which is actually called a Christophany Jesus appeared in the Old Testament several times sometimes he's called the angel of the Lord sometimes he's you know uh, called by different names but here he wrestled with Jacob all night Jacob was wrestling with God for all those years. And finally, he wrestled with God because Esau was going to kill him and wipe out his entire family as he returned home after 25 years. You know, and he laid his head upon this rock and, and you know, he was met by an angel and he wrestled with him all night 
And Jacob asked, he said, what is your name? And he said, why do you want to know my name? And that angel renamed him Israel. Jacob, the deceiver, to Israel governed by God. He was, if you want to talk about a born-again experience in the Old Testament, here it is. He knew of God, but he wasn't changed in his spirit. Here he did. He wrestled with God. I'm not going to, I am not going to let you go unless you bless me. He knew he was somebody special. Now, how can Jacob overpower the Lord Jesus or the angel of God? How can he do that? By God willingly letting him. He's wrestling him. You and I have wrestled with God before we came to Jesus Christ. You wrestled and said, are you sure this is the Lord? Are you sure? You, you said, oh, no, I don't believe that. And then God had to show you another sign, and you and then another sign, and another sign. And then before you know it, you we were wrestling with God the whole time. Jacob came to that place. He's no longer going to wrestle you. And then he named a place. He named a place Pitya, which means I have seen the face of God. I have seen the face of God. You know what? Jesus let him wrestle. He touched him in his hip. So he walked with a cripple, a constant reminder of what Jesus did to him. Even the Apostle Paul had that thorn in his flesh. A reminder of him meeting Jesus on the road to Damascus. Well, Jacob never forgot about this. He strove with God in verse 28. And when he realized who he was, since he renamed him, who has the right to rename people? You know, God, Jesus pre-incarnate appearance of Christ in the Old Testament to Abraham and Sarah. He renamed Sarah to Sar Sarai to Sarah and Abra Ab Abraham to from A Abraham. Jeez, why am I tripping over that word? Abram to Abraham. Father of all nations. So, Here's, a, here's the, uh, the parallel of that, the application would be, if I was wrestling with my eight-year-old son, I could overpower him like that. I had to willingly let him beat me. And that's what Jesus did. He willingly let Abraham or uh, Jacob go to that point where he wrestled with God and he knew it. And again, you wrestled with God, and now you're a believer, hopefully. If you haven't, you need to wrestle with God and get over your self-centeredness and put it all in Christ. Take up your cross every day and follow after Jesus. That was a review of what we did last week. Last week it took about, about 45 minutes. It took like 10 minutes, I think, here. This is Beatitude number four. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Now, you know what this is? This is a person's craving for God. I remember when I was about eight years old, I was leaning up against the wall in front of my parents' house. There's a main highway coming out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania called Route 8. I'm leaning up against the wall because it's all hilly in Pennsylvania, you know. I'm leaning up against the wall, and the cars were parked from the red, not parked, but there was a red light, and the cars were stopped there, a four-lane highway. And, and I'm standing against the wall, and I said, I don't know what provoked me to say this. I said, Lord... I want, to, I want to be like Jesus. He was different. You know what? That was my 
childhood way of saying, I know that I need to change. It took, it took about 20 years after that before I did change. But all those times I was wrestling with God. I was wrestling with God. You know what? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, and you could relate that to the rapture. I don't know about you guys and girls, but I can't wait till Jesus comes back in the clouds and the dead in Christ rise first, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. I don't care if my daughter's getting married. I don't care if I'm getting married. I don't care what's happening in the world. I want Jesus to come back because if you're talking about a wedding, you know what? We're going to be married to Jesus. So you can watch your daughter be married to Jesus instead of the, the guy that she's with. You know, this is, you've got to refocus, church. You've got to refocus on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Somebody said, you're too, too heavenly-minded to be any earthly good. That's a bunch of nonsense. It really is. If you're heavenly bound and you're all about God, you walk in blessing. When you, you're blessed when, when you walk, you're blessed with your hands, you're blessed when you go in, you're blessed when you come out, you're the head, you're not the, you're not the tail. It's a person. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. And, and David wrote it in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for brooks of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Does your soul pant for God? I hope so. For the living God. Our God isn't dead. He's alive and well. Jesus died on the cross, but he rose again three days later. 1 Corinthians 15. Jesus came. He died. He was buried. And he is risen the third day according to the scriptures. So praise God. You, you know, righteousness here, hunger and thirst for righteousness is like a deer panting for the water brooks. This deer was thirsty. You need to be thirsty for God. That's what this is saying. Thirst for righteousness. You know that you're not righteous. You try to be righteous, and that's great. You're maybe better, more righteous than your neighbor, but you're, not com you're comparing yourself to your neighbor. You compare yourself to God, and there's no way. There's just no way. You're desperate to do God's will on this earth. The promise is, for they shall be satisfied. Your thirst will be quenched. Your thirst will be quenched once you know God is your Savior. This day will surely come for those of you that are crying out to God. And you know what? You're, you will be so satisfied. And I think that's why Paul wrote this, 1 Corinthians 2.9. He says, your eye hasn't seen, your ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the heart of men. All that God has prepared for those that love you. You know, that has a lot of play to it, that verse. A lot of you wonder, is my dog and kitty cat in heaven? It says right here, you know, you can't even imagine what God has prepared for you. Well, don't even try. We can't imagine it. I've known people that died and went to heaven. They won't even talk about it. It's, 
too beautiful for them. One guy, he, he, he actually died three times on the, on the table, heart attack. He heard himself going to hell. And, and he saw Jesus walking on the top of the flames. I'm going back 40-some years. Saw Jesus walking on the top of the flames because he was in the wrong place. And he's screaming out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus walks towards him, never looks at him, passes him right by, goes over to the other side. He's yelling, Jesus, save me, Jesus, save me. He goes over to the other side. Just before Jesus is out of sight, Jesus turned around and looked at him. He saw himself go right back into his body. And he was taken up into heaven. He died again. He's taken up into heaven. He saw things that he never saw before. He came. God sent him back to earth. He's on the table, and this voice spoke to him in the third dream, I guess it was. It was only a dream. It was only a dream. The devil was trying to stop this vision, to think there is no hell, to think there is no heaven. And God said, it's only, or the devil said, it's only a dream. It wasn't a dream. He was wrestling with God. And when he woke up, there was a born-again preacher at the bottom of his bed, and he led him to Christ right there. And I ministered with this guy for about seven years on those halfway houses that we went to. Guys would come out of prison and stuff. And he got cancer about six, seven years later. He refused to let us pray for him to be healed because we were charismatic. We were Pentecostal. He, he, he said, don't you dare pray for me. I'm going back to where I saw what I saw. That's how much. He had faith. Or did he have, was that foolish? I don't know. Once you see God, once you see Jesus face to face, do you think you want any part of this world? Are you so in love with Jesus that that's the way you feel? We're, we're commanded to fall in love with Jesus. The example here, spiritual example of, a right, of hungering and thirst for righteousness would be James and John. When they wanted to call down fire on, on, on Samaria because they didn't repent. They're, you know what? They were, they were going about it the wrong way, but they're real, you know what they really wanted? They wanted the world to become righteous. And that's what Jesus said in, in the prayer, thy kingdom come and his, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants his will to be done on earth. And Jesus was trying to tell that to us in the next chapter, you know, that his kingdom come to this earth as it is in heaven. Listen, this kingdom of earth is nowhere near what the kingdom of heaven is like. Moses was so upset, he struck the rock instead of speaking to it like God said. And it cost him the promised land. He wanted righteousness, but he went about it the wrong way. Moses did the same thing when he threw the tablets down on the ground and the earth quaked and swallowed up a bunch of people. He was wanting righteousness. And there he comes down, he sees a golden calf made by his brother, and the rest of Israel. Now they wanted a golden calf that can't see, can't hear, can't walk, can't smell, can't, can't do anything. And he wanted to make that living, non-living gold pow their God. 
I mean, well, you might as well pray to that wall. That's where as far as it'll go. We have a living God. Jesus was wanting righteousness and, and the thirst for righteousness and hungering for it. Then he overturned the tables in the outer court of the, of the temple. He, was, he didn't sin. That court was created. It was the court of the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were supposed to come in and find Jehovah. Instead, they were ripping them off. They had to come in and sacrifice a lamb. They'd bring a lamb in. This is a clean lamb. The, la the Pharisee would inspect, oh, there's a gray hair. He's unclean. You have to buy one of our sheep. You buy one of our sheep and then, you know, for exorbitant money, and then you can sacrifice that. So they send him on his way after ripping him off, and then they pull the gray hair and sell that one to somebody else. That's what they were doing. The temple of God was for people to find Jehovah, making proselytes out of Gentiles. And they had it wrong. And Jesus was righteously angry and overturned those tables and told them to get out. If you read the Gospels, you'll see he did that at least two times. I have a feeling that every time he went into that temple and that was going on, I'll bet you he overthrew the, throw the tables. And, of course, that made the high priest Caiaphas and Annas pretty mad. So our example is to present your body a living sacrifice to God. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's holy and acceptable to God. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But Paul also tells us if we live by the Spirit, you say you're, you're born again and born in spirit, then you have to live and walk in the Spirit as best you can. That's beatitude number four. Here's beatitude number five. Blessed are the merciful. Remember, blessed means full of blessing. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. The wages of our sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. We deserve death, but God's given us eternal life for those who put their faith in him and receive him as their Savior. The wages, the payment for your sin is death, physical death, spiritual death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Gift. Gift means you don't have to do nothing. You don't have to do anything to be saved. You just have to have faith that you are saved by Jesus. Grace seems to be unfair until you need some. Oh, that person that fell and committed adultery over there, he don't deserve grace. But if you did it, you would deserve grace, right? See? Mercy. Grace seems unfair unless you need it. So quit being critical of other people. Give them grace. We have a double standard going on. It's okay for me to give mercy, but not him. You know, when Jesus told the parable about the landowner that paid the guy from 8 o'clock in the morning to go out and work the field, and then went, there was a group at noon, he gave them, and told them to go out and the 
group came in at three, and a group came in like an hour before it was over, and the righteous landowner paid them all the same. You know what? If I were a murderer, I could have grace. If I was just a liar, I could have grace. But abomination to the Lord is a lie. God, it's an abomination to God. We think one sin's more more deadly than others, and it's not. The only sin that sends you to hell is the rejection of Jesus Christ. As simple that, as that. Church sometimes makes too much too much uh, other stuff. You know, you got to do this, you got to do that. You can't wear hats in church. You know, you can't wear, wear sandals. You know, the women have to sit on that side. The guys sit on that side. You know, you have a tattoo. We can't have you. Nonsense. God has you engraved in the palm of his hand, so of Isaiah 46, I believe it is. You're engrafted on the palm of his hand. You know what? If you re- read another version, it would say, God has you tattooed on the palms of his hands, both hands. So, w- w- no. Why, why are you okay for salvation, but these people that committed murder are not? God loves them just as much as he loves you. He wants all to be saved and none to perish, all to come to righteousness. And what happens, if you are merciful, you're going to receive mercy. That's the promise. That's the war reward behind this. If you give mercy, you will receive mercy. If you plant corn, you're not going to get wheat. You plant corn, you're going to get corn. You plant wheat, you're going to get wheat. You plant unrighteousness, unrighteousness is going to come back to you. You plant mercy, you're going to receive mercy. That's what this scripture is telling you know what? And Jesus showed the example of that in John chapter 8, verse 3 through 11. There was a woman that was caught in adultery. The law said that she had to die. She was to be stoned to death. But Jesus says, he who was without sin, you throw the first stone. Mercy. And nobody threw a stone. It was good that the, even the oldest, from the oldest down, they actually were smart enough to, you know, the older one was smart enough to understand that so that the younger ones could follow. Now in verse 10 of John 8, Jesus says to the woman, where are they that condemn you? And she says, no one, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you, but go and sin no more. You know what that is? Repentance is turning away from your sin. She was told, you know, I forgive you, but go and sin no more. In other words, repent, turn around, go the other direction. If you're a prostitute, don't do that anymore. That's what he's telling her. And a lot of people today, yes, God will grant you, uh, God will, will have mercy on you. But you, you change. You come to the altar just as you are, but you leave a different person because you put your faith in Jesus Christ and you are born again. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus. In other words, Nicodemus, you must be born again. How can that happen? Jesus wasn't talking literally. Nicodemus' mother was probably dead. He was talking spiritually. See what I mean? The Word of God is spirit and it is truth. John 6 63. Thomas denied Jesus three times. But when, he, when Jesus appeared to him, 
And he said, Jesus said, put your finger in my, my hand and, and your finger into my wounds in my hands and into my side. I would, I don't know this, it's not biblical, but I don't think, I think Thomas dropped to his knees and never stuck his finger in Jesus' wound. I think right there, he had faith. He was born again. He was born again. So the application is here. Give mercy and you will receive mercy. Being stingy with grace is showing to others that you have no mercy. We have to have merciful. We have mercy. We need to give undeserved mercy and grace to people because you were given mercy and grace. And you received it undeservingly. Paul tells Titus this, he says, He saved us not on the basis of the deeds we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. We were washed, just like David said in Psalm 51, and we were renewed by the Holy Spirit. You became new. Create in me a new heart, O God. The Hebrew word is bara. Bara means from nothing. God created the world. He created it from, the word is bara. God created the entire universe from nothing. Nothing. Try You try to do that. You hear the one about the scientists? You probably didn't, right? You hear the one about the scientists? The scientists say to God, we can do anything you can do. So God gets down, he fashions a man out of the dust. The, the scientists say, oh, we can do that. They go over and grab the sand. They start fastening. God says, what are you doing? He says, well, we're fashioning a man out of the dust like you did. He said, no, you get your own dust. Get your own dust. Because God created the dust. Man can't create the dust. You can create imitation flowers and all kinds of stuff like that. That's about it. You can't bring a life to it. Not at all. Beatitude number six. Blessed are the pure in heart. Belay, here, let me say it in modern day term. Blessed are they that do right things with the right motive. Blessed are they that do right things with the right motives. Jesus continually come against the Jews for their actions while their insides were unclean. They cleaned the outside of the dish. Listen. If I owned a restaurant and I just cleaned the outside of the dish, would you drink out of that cup? No. Not if you knew it. You, you want a clean cup. Not just the outward appearance, but the inside heart of things, the inside of the cup. He rebuked them on their facade, ignoring what was inside of them. They might have been fasting three times a day or whatever they did, but they were doing it for the wrong reason to be noticed by people. They would put sackcloth and ashes on us. Everybody said, oh, there's a holy man. He's fasting. And he, he, just, he just got his reward from men. You ain't going to get any reward from God. I tell everybody, if you're fasting, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. As you get your reward from them, they go, oh, man, you're holy. No, don't tell anybody. When you get to heaven, God will say, hey, 
this here crown has this in it because of what you did and how you did it. The promise, they shall see God. Wow, Moses, not Moses, was it Elijah? He said, woe is me. I am undone. He saw God. Moses wanted to see God's face, and God says, you can't see my face and live. He said, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock, and I'll let you see my hind parts. And that's it. When you're going to see God, you're going to see. If you're in love with Jesus, you should be talking to him every day, just like you called your spouse every day while you were dating. You called him up, her or him up three times a day. I'm coming home from work. Um, I'm down here in, in Miami. Uh, you, do, uh, you just had to hear their voice. But a lot of people won't even pick up their Bible to hear the voice of God. And, uh, and the Bible tells us that in olden times, God spoke through the prophets. But in these last times, he speaks through his sons, his son. And this is his son, the word of God. People say, and I've mentioned this many times before, people come up to me and say, I don't hear God anymore. I say, you reading your Bible? Because I ain't reading their Bible. They just told me they aren't reading their Bible. You need to read your Bible. Not because it's a law, but because you grow in grace. You've got to want to. Blessed are they that are pure in heart. They want to see, and they will see God. And imagine when you see God face to face. Wow. You see God face to face. I know if you're in love with Jesus, you're longing to see him. If you're not so happy to see him, you might be wavering a little bit and maybe you're in a bad situation in your life, a sinful situation. They shall see God. Ananias and Sapphira were not seeing God when they lied to the Holy Spirit. So Peter said, what is it that you would lie to the Holy Spirit? You know what? God was establishing the Trinity here. They believed in God. They believed in the Son. And they were going to sell their property and give it to the poor. But they lied about the proceeds and what they got. You know, and they weren't seeing, they weren't going to see God. Because, because they went about it the wrong way. They lied to the Holy Spirit. God established Himself as Jehovah, he established Jesus as the Messiah, and right here in the beginning of the church, God said, don't you dare sin or lie to the Holy Spirit, because you just lied to who? God. So now you've got the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The, ch the Holy Spirit is an important part of the church today. He's the operation of the Father in this world. Jesus did his job. He was, you know, crucified and paid the penalty for our sin. Now he's sitting in heaven interceding for us. The Holy Spirit is the operation in this world today. If you've come to Jesus as your Savior, the, that was from the Holy Spirit. And then you bowed your knee to Jesus. There was this guy Simon in Acts chapter 8 also. He wanted to buy the, the gift of laying on of hands to receive the Holy Spirit, and he was rebuked by Peter. He said, your money perish with you, for your heart's not right. See, he looked like a Christian on the outside, but inside, mm -mm, he was full of dead men's bones, as Jesus told the Pharisees in Matthew 23. Full of dead man's bones. 
God doesn't look at you know this for a fact. The application here is don't focus on what a person looks like on the outside. It doesn't matter if they're green, purple, red, white, black, fat, ugly, skinny, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God looks at the heart. So when you go before God, he's going to look at a heart that received Jesus as their Savior. And all your sins are going to be washed away, and he's going to say something like this, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my kingdom. God doesn't look on the outward appearance. Samuel told King Saul, he doesn't look at the height of your stature. He, for God sees not as a man sees. For a man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Well, I did exactly what I thought I'd only get to today. We got the three more Beatitudes, but I have to review the first three to keep everybody up. And that's okay. Because if you're memorizing Scripture... You know, it's a review, review, review. So as I review these things next week, I'll go faster on the, on the six of them. But when I review these things next week, you know, it's okay. Because repetition actually gets it into you. You know, it's, I, my, my pastor told me 40 years ago, I was memorizing scripture. He said the key to memorizing scripture is review, review, review. Keep them in your heart when you're driving down the road. Quote the scripture, you know, and, and bring it to your attention because sometimes you don't use that particular scripture for maybe even a year and you can tend to forget it or mix a part of it up. I do that a lot, by the way. Um, and it's no big deal. God knows exactly what I meant. And he knows exactly what, what, what uh, you meant. So listen, for those of you online, important thing today, of course, is that you become a spiritual person you know you need to be born again i didn't say born again jesus said it in in john chapter three two times and the third verse and i believe it's the seventh verse peter mentioned it about being born again we see it through the scriptures paul was definitely born again on the road to damascus we see it all through the scripture people getting saved People becoming, going in one direction and they're turning around and going into a new direction. No longer are they following this world, but they're following the cross of Christ. And that's what you need to do. But listen, if any of you have any questions, you can email me, joe at freedomchurchpb.org. Joe at freedomchurchpb.org. And if any of you want to pray or uh, come up front, uh, today I'll be right up here. So let's close in prayer. Father God, today we come to you as we thank you, Father, for what you, what you showed us in the scripture today. Jesus taught us a prayer, a model prayer. And he says, you know, our Father, who art in heaven, holy, holy, holy is your name. And we seek your holiness, Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who made us holy because we did not reject him, but we have faith in him. And thank you for making us holy. Thank you for, for causing us to be born again of the spirit of you, the living God. Father, to you be the glory. If anybody out there, Lord, they don't need me to repeat a prayer. They just need to go to you with a whole pure heart. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Make me the person you want me to be. To you be the glory, Father, in Jesus' holy name. 
Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you all, and you know that. I'm not just saying it.